episode of the Wedding Film School Show is brought to you by Musicbed, the best music licensing platform for wedding filmmakers. Head over to themusicbed.com and enter our code WFS on checkout to get a free month on your annual wedding subscription. Now, on to the show. Today, we are talking about when should you go full-time. Okay, you want to do this. You're saying this is your passion. How little are you willing to make? For as many people that, that talk down about like, I hate being a business owner. It's kind of like, I hate going to the gym. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's so good for you. You apply your craft. You just get better. Do it when it sucks. Do it when you don't want to do it. And still you'll come out with this great product. And you're like, have I like surpassed my own art? Like if it was all the same amount and you could choose to go to this company every day or make wedding films, what would you pick? You're telling me I get to be my own boss make the same amount of money that I'm making and get to do art, creative. Like no one gets in the wedding film industry to become a millionaire. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared Haskell. We have another awesome episode for you today. Jason McCutcheon is in the house with me again. Jason, how are we doing today? So excited. I'm, I'm, I love this topic because um, honestly, like it's something I love helping people with, which is like I want people to work in the arts, you know, and I, and I think like full time, part time, whatever it is, like I think it's great for people to find not just fulfillment, but also employment in the arts. And that's I love that. So I love to talk about it. Yep. So today we're talking about when should you go full-time as a wedding filmmaker? Yes. Um, and it's an interesting question considering that most people shooting wedding films are not full-time mm -hmm. or maybe, um, yeah, they, they are full-time, but maybe they're even working for another company. Well, being I, I think that's the question, right? Is what is it, what do we mean by going full-time in wedding filmmaking? Like, yes. What do we even mean by that? Sure. You know, the way I would describe uh, full-time would be um, your main source of income, right? Sure. The main source of income that you are living your life off of the revenue generated from it, right? How mm -hmm. would you categorize it? Well, I, I think that's a great way of describing it. I, I would think that's how I describe it for myself because I don't want, I don't think it means like that you only have that as your job. But I would say um, probably for most people, that is what it's going to look like. If you're going full time, you don't have a staff, you don't have a bunch of people helping you. Maybe you're married and your spouse helps you. But in general, like, could we do what we do with our businesses if we didn't have the people around us helping us? No, we couldn't do it. And so I think a lot of people, your first, you know, foray into the idea of going full time is going to be you quit your day job and now your job, like your day job is wedding filmmaking. You wake up at nine and you close the door at five or whatever you decide to do and your job is wedding filmmaking. Um, I guess it could just be filmmaking and like you could be doing weddings plus commercial, who knows, but you work, I think the biggest thing is like what I mean by full time is you work for yourself primarily, you know, running, working in your own business on your own business primarily um, just for the purpose of this conversation. And it's not at all to say that's a better thing to do. Mm -hmm. at all. I actually think it's kind of overrated and we'll get into that. But I also think um, it is a lot of people's journey. It's a lot of people's goal. It's a great goal. It's something I really um, definitely, if you're ready for it, I would say go for it. You should explore that. So we're yeah. going to look into that today. But to, to me, that's what going full time is. Yeah. And, and I would say specifically as a wedding filmmaker, um, I wish there was more means of going full time. Like probably the real only means of going full-time now is running your own company, right? Working with your own, within your own sphere. We talk about it often about how awesome it would be to be able to be a full-time wedding editor, right? Like that could be considered like, Hey, this is a full-time job. We don't operate in a mature industry that really has that as an option. Um, so I think for most people, when we talk about going full-time, we're probably talking about working for yourself. Right. Well, and ultimately, like one little aspect to that that is kind of like, I think lost on people is there's one side of wedding filmmaking as a job and as a business that you own where it's like, 
make a lot more money than you could have made. Like break out of the chains of your job and the, like whatever the upward limit of the salary is in working for company X, you know, maybe the highest position you could get there pays 80K. But if you run your own business, the sky's the limit, right? So I think a lot of people, it's like, I'm going to go full time and I'm going to make a lot more money in wedding filmmaking. And I think that's a little problematic because to me, it's about like what you want to be doing. And like, and I think we're going to get into really quick, like, and, and just as a teaser, we are going to give three big tips of how to know you're ready to go full time. But I think before we do that, I'd like to explore a little bit you know, should you go full time? And one right. of the things I was going to say was like, for a lot of people thinking about it as a way of increasing their wealth, increasing their revenue, making a lot more money. Maybe that's not the best starting point for being a full time filmmaker, full time wedding filmmaker. Like I typically start people with like, okay, are you okay with how much you're making at your other job? Oh, I make 50, 60 K. Wouldn't you love to make that in filmmaking instead of that other job? Not, oh, you can make a lot more money in filmmaking. Mm. Like to me, that's the like starting point to going full time is not so much can I become wealthy with wedding films, but would I rather be making my money making wedding films for myself than like if it was all the same amount mm -hmm. and you could choose to go to this company every day or make wedding films, what would you pick? I think most people would probably pick yes. Like I think so too. You're telling me I get to be my own boss, make the same amount of money that I'm making and get to do art creative. Like no one gets in the wedding film industry to become a millionaire. Right? I do think some I people haven't met get a into, single person who's done that before. Well, <laughs> I don't think most people even consider becoming millionaires at all in life. But I do think people think like I'm going to make a lot more money. Why do you think all these classes and all this education is centered around I help this person get a $40,000 a month or you could break six figure. Like, the six figure wedding filmmaker or filmmaker or whatever, the, the myth <laughs> or, or I, I don't know. It's just like, a, it's cool. It's good. You should want it. But to me, it's like, okay, would you still do it if you just made exactly the same amount of money? Yeah. And if the answer is like, well, yeah, of course I would do that. Then it's like, it makes the decision a lot easier. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think I like to frame it there as like, this is a job. And it can make, it can start at like, you could make $40,000 a year at this job. And like, I think that's a core question. So, so let's look into this because I'm going to pose a question to you later when it comes to salary. But the, obviously going full-time is a dream of a lot of people. But the question I always have is not how should, could you know, how can you know when you can go full-time? What are the, some of the milestones you need? to go full time. Let me say that again, because I can be able to say it better. So before we talk about how someone can know if they're ready to go full time, I want to explore the idea of should you even go full time at all and kind of like try to break down some of like the romanticizing of it a little bit, Jared. Um, and I want to pose a question to you a little bit later around salary, but before we kind of get dig a little deeper in the how, I do want to talk a little bit about should someone do this? And so my question for you is pretty much this. Is there any reason why someone wouldn't want to go full-time? Say they're like, yeah, whatever. I could definitely go full-time. Like, let's try to talk someone out of it a little bit because I think it's a little romanticized and people oftentimes talk about the perks and not the negatives. Well, I think a person that um, shouldn't go, go full-time is probably someone who's making uh, – high or, or low six figures, I would say, because that's obviously going to be hard to break, especially as a new wedding filmmaker. Um, you're going to take some time to get up to that point. So if you're already making enough money, say you're supporting your family, like that person um, probably shouldn't <laughs> go full time. Um, and, and I know plenty of people that are like this who have, you know, who are an engineer, whatever, they love their day job Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, they're like, hey, if I can make an extra 70k a year, a hundred thousand dollars a year, building a business slowly by just doing this part time, that's going towards my kid's well, college. It's kind of like you an kind assistant of, to you, your main you job. You introduced the the salary question early, so the question I have there is like, do you think a better way to look at it is how little am I willing to do this for? <laughs> sure, because say the person's like, I'm making six figures, 
I hate doing this though. It's killing me. It's not my passion. Like, wouldn't the question for that person be like, okay, you want to do this. You're saying this is your passion. Um, you're, and how little are you willing to make? I think it's a great point. It's like, if somebody's like, I don't care, I can afford, or maybe how little can you afford to make, right? If you are like, I, no amount of money will get me to go to that office again. I don't care. I, I do think some people probably get to that point, right? I think it's probably reversed in that a lot of people are like, think that about their day job. That's probably. what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. They're like, they look at their day job and they're like, no amount of money will help me. I will never go to that job. I hate it. It's yep. so bad. But they're kind of out of options. You know, it's like, it's what they have. So they have to keep on going back over and over and over again. So, um, so like the first one is if some, if you're making really good money with your job, like, and you can't live without it, maybe you don't want to go full time until you've maybe hit certain milestones or right. whatever. And honestly, one of the things I know is push will come to shelf eventually for people. Like if you're a wedding filmmaker and you have a job that's super high paying, right? And you got, you know, three weeks vacation and you can use those vacation times to take on a few extra destination gigs or whatever. But you know, like once you start pushing into like higher wedding counts, they want more of your weekends and more of your time that you're not going to be able to sustain the balance between that job you know, or the work-life balance is getting too crazy, too intense. Like it will limit you mm -hmm. in some way. And like, yeah, should you, I mean, should you go <laughs> full time? I mean, probably counting the cost ahead of time is a big part of this kind of conversation yeah. about just like, how much are you really going to have to give up? Maybe not even financially, just know that you have to give up like most weekends in the best part of the year. We're in new England where it's cold in the winter, when we have off. I haven't enjoyed like, a summer in 10 years. Uh, we had to work our butts off to have a summer vacation, you know? Uh -huh. And now we do it most years, I would say. Well, I'd even something like it. for me, like I have a business now that can sustain this, right? But I'm having a child in June. Mm -hmm. And if I was a solo panure filmmaker who no longer had like the safety and security of paternity leave, mm -hmm. like that's a thing a lot yeah. of people have to consider. Yep, yep. Well, I, I do think it's a reason why, I mean, people have to ask this question and, and I think it is a reason why most wedding filmmakers out there are part-time, right? Um, it's because a main job provides that security and running your own business is kind of just like a little add-on, right? It's like a little side hustle. You're moonlighting as a wedding filmmaker, you're getting into it. It's an excuse to buy some cool gear, right? So I, that's one reason why I think probably most people are are part-time wouldn't you say yeah i would say like talking you out of this <laughs> trying to get you to think about like do i really want this because i think that's a critical question right and so do i really want this like if the idea of having to care about anything but like funny money is like gross to you if like when I say like, okay, now you have to take it seriously. Now you have to shoot with people you don't want to shoot with. Now you have to, what is that? 10 for the meal, one for the real. Like if you have another job, you could do them all for the real. You could shoot only people you like. Maybe. You could. If you have another job, you don't have to do any. You could do zero wedding films for all you care. Like you can just run a way more personal. Like you can run exactly what you want to run and say no as much as you want to know. Say no, because if you're like, eh, I'm only doing this to buy more cameras or for because I love doing it. Once you make that decision to go full time, many of you are no longer going to have the right to say, I only work weddings that are with people who value what I my storytelling. And you're going to have to say, I work weddings for people who value me at this dollar amount. Like that is not for everyone, Jared. Do, do you think going full-time makes somebody a better wedding filmmaker? Yes. I think. How so? Because I think t being precious about anything is ultimately a restrictive mindset, not a, not in like a, a creative mindset. Like when you are precious about it and by precious, I mean like you cannot depersonalize it at all. You can't honestly evaluate its quality because you're so close to it. I found the having a level of like detachment and the ability to like, you know, like 
I just imagine my business like an out-of-body experience. Like you just died. You're on the table and you're like rise above. And then you're looking at your life and it's flashing before your eyes and you're like, I should have done this differently and better and all this stuff. And then you come back and you live, oh, I'm, I'm reinvigorated. I think it's the same way with a business. It's like if, if you can't get outside of your business and look at it from an outside perspective at all because you're so precious about it, that's what professionalism is. Like professionals can look at the craft apart from their emotions. Hmm. And if you're an artist, you might not be a professional. Yeah, this is so different than I think what most wedding filmmakers would think about um, going full time compared to being, you know, part time and and looking at it from an artist perspective compared to like someone who just like, dude, you just have to get this stuff done. Well, and also like what, like my unique perspective, I don't really buy that. Right. Like I think like you. Because someone would be like, oh, if you're only shooting five films a year, even if you're part time. Like those are going to be a lot better. What you said is like, you can just take the people that you want. You do more, you can do them all for the real, like you said, yes. right? So if you're doing all, all for the real, wouldn't you think that that would produce a better quality I film? I didn't say it. It might make a better quality film, but I don't think it makes you a better wedding filmmaker. I think a better wedding filmmaker shoots more, mm-hmm. does more work, is more experienced, more connected, more plugged in, and can make a better film from a worse day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how a business, that's what makes you more money. Yeah. Like making something that on a perfect day all the time, like that you're trying to sell for eight to 10 to $12,000. Good luck with that. Like Uh, from what I've seen empirically is I know wedding filmmakers who shoot five wedding films a year. Their, you know, wife is a photographer maybe. And they're like, Hey, I'm, doing this other job and I love doing this. I love gear. I need in an outlet. And I spend a lot of time on the five films that I do and they're great. You know, I've seen them and I'm like, this this person's really a pretty good filmmaker. Um, Knows what they want, knows what they're trying to achieve. I would never in a million years try to do the things they're doing because I'm here doing 230 weddings a year. It's not scalable. Um, But is the film better? Probably. Is it profitable? Is it scalable? Is that person going to be able to take my lunch? Probably not. Here's what I would say. (laughs) Because they just don't have the ability to do that more than 10 times. If someone who's been around 700 weddings gets the same five opportunities they get, could they make a better film? Yep. Maybe. Like, I don't know. For sure, they they might say there's no point in making a better film. Like, if I make a better film, it's just costing me money. I don't know. If, like... Honestly, here's the deal. If this whole conversation is making you cringe that we're talking so dismissively about wedding films, like this is a thing that's like, do you want to be an artist or do you want to be a professional? And like, you can be both. Yeah. But you do need to be able to be a professional and like actually look at these questions analytically, not just emotionally. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think um, for the person who wants to just do this part time, um, I've seen it happen over and over again to filmmakers where they do a certain thing. It's just fine art, you know, whatever they're charging a certain amount, um, for it. Then the next year they're like, the demand is high. They're still charging what they're charging. Maybe they can up their price. Maybe they shot like a sick film or something. They shot one sick film and then they're like a huge demand for them. They're still only going to take maybe five or 10, but now they're kind of like a little bit of a slave to what the product was that they produced the previous year. And they're like, I just don't have enough time to be able to do this. I'm doing it part time. It starts to really stress people out. Well, and also like like your portfolio starts to suffer because you can't make sacrifices to create that kind of content anymore. Like you can't be like, Oh, I went to Iceland for four straight days for free. I did this thing. I did that thing. And like that goes away. As you like, and then your films that are paid for, people are like, I thought they were awesome. These films all suck. Yeah. Like, or, or, they or they're just not don't, the same vibe. They're not the same vibe. Uh, I know another filmmaker who used to do this great voiceover, used to hire like a voiceover artist with like a deep gruff voice for these films. And it's like, he put a lot of effort into them, making them these fantastic pieces of art. And it's like you said, it's not scalable. If you do that for every wedding film, 
<laughs> it's like you had one good idea. You executed it. Now try doing it for even five wedding films, dude. With, with that level of like, you become a slave to what that product is. And it's like, now people expect that every single time. Which you're you, part time, way, you have another job, you can't come up with five groundbreaking concepts every single time. Yes. And if you're making big bucks, right, that could be okay. Sure. But if you're making even middle metal, like mid market kind of money, like, or in the States, like I would say upper mid, like that $7,000, like no man's land before yep. you kind of hit that luxury price break. Yep. Like, which I would say is like nine to $10,000. If you're consistently averaging nine to $10,000, it's like kind of the same as 15. Mm -hmm. Like you're dealing with a very high end clientele. You're super plugged in in the industry. If you're Most people are not going to be there. Yeah, exactly. By just doing five wedding films a year. No, no, no. And so I think like, I guess- Talking out of it, yep. like, should you go full-time is the question, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can't depersonalize it, maybe you shouldn't go full-time, right? Yeah. If, if that's just, like, it, it will ruin it for you. Like, if you're, like, if the idea of, like, not loving it anymore kills it for you, and I don't mean, like, loving the idea, but, like, literally you just can't imagine having to think about the thing you make in any other way, but like full creativity, full integrity, all these things that um, I think the more you work in the industry, the more you're like, well, you know, like I said, 10 for the meal, one for the real, mm -hmm. right? Oh, these, this one's not one of them. This one's not one of them. It's fine. It's fine. You know, you still get joy. I still get joy out of shooting weddings for normal folks that I'm filling in for someone who couldn't show up. At the wedding, I show up at Stop Go. This is what it's like to be a business owner. You call me the week before, oh, this person got sick or they're not going to come anymore. They bailed. Jay, can you give up Saturday and go shoot this wedding for so-and-so? Yeah, I'll do that. Show up. Do a good job. I, I literally doesn't cross my mind if it's fun or not fun. I'm not thinking in those terms. I'm like, did I do a good job or not? Were you fulfilled? Yeah, I don't think about that. I don't think about any of that. I just think this is my job. Yeah. I'm going to my job. And then I'm like, I did a good job today or not. Yep. And that's how I feel. It's like and you go it, home, you hug your kid, the it's footage. Over. Caleb does a great job editing. And I don't <laughs> think about it ever again. Yeah. It's like I'm not like emotionally connected to anything that happened. I have weddings like that where I am emotionally connected, but I don't require it out of every gig right. to get down and do right. it. I, I, yeah. The great question there is just, are you passionate about being a business owner? Mm -hmm. Because and, and do count the cost and know exactly what that entails yeah and right? for me it's like i don't think of it as did i like shooting this wedding i think what would i rather be doing well not really anything like i i look at it as like a comparison between doing that and like delivering pizzas or i used to teach high school like like it's not to me whether or not I'm passionate about the art. It's like, I'm passionate about not delivering pizzas. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about not having to go and teach high school kids anymore. Right. I'm like, I, I, I think so too. I, you know, the art thing, it's important. And, it is and important. what we do is, 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 is great in that that's an aspect of what we do. But I always think about it like, Hey, I get to be on a Saturday in one of the most beautiful places in my area, mm -hmm. surrounded by a bunch of rich people dressed opulently in, you know, and, and they're just partying with people, you know, I get to just party with people for a living. Like, that's really cool. Like, that's probably more productive than staying at home playing video games. It's definitely better than delivering pizza. It's definitely better than whatever job I've had in the past. And I get to do this all for myself. Yep. That's really cool. It's really cool. And then also I get to bring a camera and do art. You know, sure. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it is fun. It's just like, I, I think like maturity is what we're talking about, by the way. And I mm -hmm. don't want to say you're immature if you are like disagreeing with us, yeah. because I do think there's another perspective here, which is like, hey, you don't have to go full time. If you don't want to think of it like a business, you yeah. don't want to deal with it in those ways, and you just want to stink in like, Right. And the argument here uh, on the other perspective would be like, well, if I'm doing good enough art, that will differentiate myself from the competition. Help me go It'll more help me charge time. more money. Right. And, and that's what 90% of our industry thinks. So this is what I would say is 90% of your customers don't want that. 
They don't want your avant-garde wedding film. They just want you to show up and do a good job for them. At the so very it's least, like they the don't, industry. They don't value it at any dollar value. The industry doesn't support your wants. Yes. It supports what it it wants. <laughs> and the industry is not you, by the way, and it's not even filmmakers. It's the wedding industry. Yes. Which is a very, like, curated industry that runs a certain way. Like, that's the thing people don't realize is, like, the wedding industry doesn't care about you. <laughs> it especially, yeah, it doesn't care about many individuals, but it especially does not care about the wedding filmmaker <laughs> at no. all. So much so that on uh, any Instagram reels that you see from these wedding planners that are videos, sometimes they don't even include the wedding videographer in the credits. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Yes. It's wild. So, like, it's funny, like, exactly. Like, Ramona Cavazza, one of the number one dressmakers in the whole world, super luxury, right? We were at the top of her feed last week, three posts. Three posts about a style shoot we did with one of our favorite planners, Mandy from Hummingbird. They did They did show our film. They tagged it incorrectly. They actually just wrote the planner's name at the bottom. Yeah. On the story that they showed our work yeah. over Hummingbird at the bottom. It doesn't say, like, so, like, in the reel that these people are showing, there's no link to us. Yeah. So, yeah, welcome to that industry, guys. You want to get involved in that. Like, you, you get in front of a million people by the number one dressmaker in the world that was literally on, like, 10% of the red carpet at the Grammys, and I don't get a link out. <laughs> they did tag us and the things that no one reads in the comments. But, like, <clears throat> it's fine. I'm not offended. I'm not bitter at all. But I do know, like, that the industry that we're in, it's not, a, it's not about you. That's the whole point. Yep. And, and like, you know, I think I see a lot of people, this is again, maturity, right? You can get butt hurt about that, which I think is an absolute waste of your time. <laughs> I agree. It's a waste of my time. I do still get butt hurt about that. Yeah, stuff. sure. <laughs> me too. But I also know like, this is what's going to happen. And so the professional side of me goes, this is what's going to happen. So they tagged the wrong account on that. So I had to re-upload that video on the right account. Yes. Not because I and, – and we were like, ah, we're not going to do it under that brand. We're going to do it under this brand. Okay, they tagged the wrong brand. What do I have to do? I have to upload it. it has, I don't care about my look. I don't care about my art or anything. It's like I got a million people who could be looking at my work now. Now I got that, – that's what you do when you're a professional. Well, Instagram, the way Instagram works now is it's probably like <laughs> – Seven ten, people. Ten. <laughs> well, the yeah. post got freaking fifteen hundred likes. Oh, okay. Like fifteen hundred likes on this this one image. Yep. It's like nobody's looking at my stuff, but I'm like, what if they do? That's professional. Totally. It's oh. like you're focused on selling your product, and you're focused on what you do, much more than you're focused on. Like it, it's very. It's all about making money and selling more wedding films. Yeah and brand management and PR and all these things that they they actually do suck, Jared. Like, that, they actually it's part of, suck. It's all a part of counting the cost, though. It like is a this, cost. The, becoming a business owner, going full-time for yourself means that now you're not just able to create these films. You have to become a marketer. You have to become your own PR. You have to become your own salesperson. Your, the, your own project every, manager. It sucks. Like, it is very... Very hard. Well, let's talk about someone with ADD, right? Talk yeah. about me. <laughs> okay. You have ADD, right? And every day you're thinking, I'm not inspired by working on X. That's a legitimate challenge, right? Can, if you've never been able to figure out a, and this is like, I'm not trying to criticize anyone, but I'm just being real with you. If you have never found a way to get a handle on your time management problems, whether it be ADD or just undisciplined work schedule. W owning your own business will freaking kill you. Because like- it's, Or straighten you out. Or straighten you out. It'll yeah. straighten you, like, like you could go either way and, and you might learn a different way of solving the problem, whether it be you who just says, I'm not doing that anymore. Right. Or like you might just learn a strategy where you figure out a way to do it. It might help you grow. But I will say this. It's like 
you have to take that's part of the cost is like if you have the idea of like having 20 to 25 weddings that you have to edit not just shoot not just get paid for you have to finish them and when the backlog hits you are in breach of contract when you've surpassed that delivery date that will make that that'll go from taking this passion of yours to becoming a hellish obligation overnight it will not be fun anymore and like you gotta that is a big cost account is like can i be organized can i finish and do what i say can i just freaking even edit these things or am i willing to give up you know, a couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars of film to get it edited by someone else. I don't, there's a lot of ways to solve the problem. They all have a cost. Yep. yep. And everything about wedding filmmaking, when it's full time, the things that used to be fun can actually become not fun at all. Mm. Yep. Like, I, I mean, straight up. It's also uh, something we haven't really talked about much is, is the actual risk. Of doing it, yeah, that's what right? I mean. Like, like it, it's not only not it's not fun anymore. Like, there's that sense of dread, but it's actually financially risky. Like, you quitting your job to go full time as a wedding filmmaker into an industry that's pretty volatile is ballsy, but very risky. You know, mm-hmm. until you get things under your feet, um, that's a hard thing to do. So, are you willing to accept that risk? is one of the, the costs that you should be counting. Well, front. and are you year, able to deal with that stress? Yeah. And every year you can have 20% swings up or down based on random stuff like, like well, or COVID or COVID or whatever. Like someone could say 80% like, swing. Yeah. We could have a planner who says like, just randomly they book a bunch of multi-days Yep. and you book a bunch of multi-day packages that are significantly more valuable. And the next year they don't do those. And you're out that 10, has nothing to do with you. It just has grand. to do with the fact that someone that you were relying on to give you jobs is uh, having a baby or getting married or moving or whatever it might be. Changing markets. Like, down on the amount of work that you'll be doing. Like, yeah, there's so much stress and it is volatile. And I would say, which is why I think the stuff we're going to talk about later is so valuable because mm-hmm. I think if you hit certain milestones, you are somewhat insulated into that. And by the way, that leads me to another should you. You're insulated if you can be disciplined. Mm. And I would say like one thing you got to analyze in yourself on the should I do this is am I willing to be a like we're talking about being professional. I think what that means to me is approaching your business in a disciplined way, which is like holding yourself accountable. Like that is not fun by nature being accountable for yourself, being a person who manages their time well, like being someone who does what they say, being someone who treat, like, we always talk about treat it like a job, right? Mm -hmm. Like literally get up in the morning at a certain time, go to your office at a certain time and work for a certain amount of time. That is what it means to be full-time to me. That's when I say like professional, that to me is professional. You're not professional if you like need to be inspired to go to your job and you certainly can't do that if you want to be full-time. And it's like, the question I would say to someone is, here's the count, there's a big personal cost, risk, financial, all that stuff we talked about. But then there's like this like existential cost, which is, am I willing to be reined in at all? Like, is this thing gonna now become my, like, oh, I wanna work for no one. That doesn't exist. Like okay, you don't have a boss anymore, but your business is now your boss. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to be disciplined and willing to be professional? And can you do this? And like, I honestly think everyone should try to do it. Everyone should try to become a better person every day. You know, I think owning your own business is a great accelerant to improving yourself as a person. Yeah, yeah. Um, For as many people that, that talk down about like, I hate being a business owner. It's kind of like saying, I hate going to the gym. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's so good for you to, to have to go through all of these challenges of running a business. It actually, in a lot of ways, you and I talk about it all the time. I feel like I'm being creative all the time, more than I was when I was even just editing. It's like, how do I creatively solve these problems? You know, uh, working with these people, doing this type of film well, conceptually. Like, I'm being creative all the time. Do you remember so when we didn't make money? Right? Do you remember oh, yeah, the I stuff remember we would do? Yeah, I remember very well. 
Like we didn't make any money, right? So what would we do? We would take on a gig to go to New York City and shoot creative B-roll in New York City, making no money. And we were, I could do whatever we wanted, Jared. We could be as creative as we wanted. I played a lot of Skyrim in, we that, did that, in, too. That, in that office that we had on the third floor. Sure. Do you remember like we were like- Shoebox we, office. It was do, great. Do you remember our creative idea about like hanging that um, piece of plastic up and doing some portraits? Yes. They're fine. I still like some of those pictures. Yeah. They're funny. Oh, yeah. We did do those. Yeah. yeah. Like those creative. We were expressing ourselves right yeah. there. Like- we can make whatever we wanted visually. Like, and we sometimes would do cool stuff with that. We'd get a job and we'd have more time and we'd put more time into it. And we would do some, like, we'd punch above our weight mm -hmm. from time to time. And that's what will create, like, being, like, excited and passionate at the beginning of your career. It'll let you do something that's cooler looking than maybe you're really ready for. Because mm -hmm. you put that extra effort in. Well, and I would say at that time in our lives, we didn't need to make money. No. It wasn't the thing driving us. We were just like, hey, we like doing this. If I can do it as a side hustle while I'm bartending at Fridays, then I'm happy to do it. And maybe it turns into something. Maybe it doesn't. But And then we kind of just were like, oh, shoot, now we have a lot. And it was just like forced our hand. Well, right? additionally, too, it's like, so we did that first thing. It was creative. It got featured. All the things an artist would want, right? Yep. First film we ever, first paid client we ever got was a great find. There is literally nothing about a single film I made at the beginning of my career when I had all the free time in the world to put into it that is at all better than a single film I would make last year. Mm -hmm. And like, this is what I always say. It's like, you apply your craft, you just get better. The more you shoot, the more you put your hand to the grindstone and put that time in. And like, I've always said to people, you wanna be a real artist? Do it when it sucks. Do it when you don't want to do it and still you'll come out with this great product and you're like, have I like surpassed my own art? Yeah. Do, do you remember that film that we made that was all stop motion? Yeah, it was dumb. <laughs> that was us being creative. <laughs> we were stupid. Yeah, we did a whole wedding film. We did an interview with them and it was the, all the B-roll was stop motion photographs that we combined into the film to make it seem it like was a it cool was, idea yeah yeah but now i would look at it and be like oh that's <laughs> embarrassing that's dumb <laughs> it wasn't good and it's like not a, no one wants to buy that back then people loved that film because they were like oh now i look at it i'm like oh so maybe that's another thing it's like yeah long term I, mean, I know that the normal films that i made back then probably hold up better than that film does and i'm happy about that like yeah great I, all i know is like at the end of the day, um, I haven't seen it in my own art. I, I, w I will say this, like kind of we're talking about being professional. And, yeah. You know, I was telling my wife the other day, like, I got to do like I got this new set of challenges this year with these new films we're working on. I think the stakes are higher. And I am having to go back to the well of like, OK, what was it like when I first started? when I was really passionate about making the coolest film I can make. And I didn't feel like I knew exactly what I was doing and I wasn't like arrogant, right? I feel pretty like cocky about Stop Go Love. Mm. I could just like roll out of bed and make that. You know, so I will say it doesn't end if you don't let it end as an artist. So like, I think every, you gotta go through these cycles, right? Of like, you do something super creative and then you get really, really good at it and then it gets boring, but it's profitable. Mm -hmm. So like typically boring is more prof the place of profitability. And then you look and go, okay, um, I got to dip back in and do something creative because I got to create a new, whether it be the market's putting pressure on me or whatever, like you're never going to be able to fully leave making great art. Yes. So you don't need to worry about that. Like you, artists are much more likely going to screw up the professionalism than they are to screw up making cool art that they like. So like, you don't need to worry about it. I'm telling you from experience, I don't have to make good art. I could, me and you could probably mail it in for the next 10 years. We could probably literally, me and you could just not shoot a wedding film, make our team shoot everything, and probably eventually we'd like get worse and worse and worse, but for a while, we could probably coast that way. Yeah. Should we do that? Is that a, should we just do that now? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You and I would be so miserable. We wouldn't like it. No. But 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 I and so we're not going to do that. But it's like we don't have to. 
yeah be good artists <laughs> why are we doing this because we want to well we talked about it in our Ray Roman episode is that we're all super de- competitive destroyers. <laughs> yeah. I want to be the best. Yeah. I, like, like yeah. you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Like you, like giving, like you've just enhancing yourself by having the professionalism. You're not actually taking away from the art. And if you can't get into that, maybe you don't want to do it. Yep. But I know for me, like I, that's been my experience. So we've been teasing yeah. these three kind of breakdowns on, can you go yes. full time and what the how logistical side, the practical side, uh, how to go full time. But before we do that as like an intermediary question, intermission question. This is our like purgatory uh, of the podcast. This is where I would want to put the um dun 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 yeah. let the elevator music yep, okay. right here. Um would do you think the lack of full time wedding filmmakers is hurting our industry? I would say it's just probably a necessary evil of the industry it's like and I, and I don't mean people are evil who are part-time filmmakers but i think like the idea of people who don't need the money competing with people who do need the money like if you're full-time you got to get paid and there's a re- this is the actual tension i see in these groups is part-time people who really they don't need the money and they're like what i'm making 20 grand extra on the year what do i care yeah like they're not wrong and the other person's like i can't work for 20 grand and they're not wrong yeah do you think that is the stem of the conversation about like, oh, do you think mostly part-time people are undercutting full-time people? I would say in a sense, probably, mm-hmm. but in another sense, like, are you really full-time if you can't stop competing with part-time people? Well, yeah, yeah. That That's what I'm trying to find out is like, how do we mature as an industry? And is it actually bad that a lot of people can do this part-time on the side? Like what way is the industry they, they, swinging? Well, I would say the question is always like, out. what could you even do about that? And I don't think there's anything you could do about it because the couples I don't think are willing to pay more. Mm-hmm. And the wedding film businesses aren't willing to do what it takes to dominate. Well, someone, people. well, and yeah, that's why I'm trying to figure out like, is there really a difference creatively that the client can see between part-time filmmaker and full-time filmmaker. If you're selling a $999 wedding film, right? That's more power to you, by the way, especially if you're listening to this, definitely more power to you if you're smart enough to listen to this show. But if you're selling a $999 film, right? You are probably not at the place with your skills or career or connections to actually be significantly better than a giant national studio. Is it really that much better working with you? Probably not. Being realistic, probably not. They're pro- the, the national it's chain. The, it, it, the comparison well, here is like Walmart compared to your downtown. It's exactly store. like that. It's exactly You're, like that. It's yeah. like how many of you have ever been to a local restaurant that is also terrible? Like people are like, I want to go to local joints. I don't want to go to chains. I'm always like, I like I eat out a lot, and I'm telling you guys. If you're not in a city, Applebee's chain, is awesome. Go to the chain. If yeah. you're in some local town, like most towns do not have good food. And most small time people are small time because they're not that good. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, if you cannot get anyone to give you $2,000 for a wedding film or 3000 or four, like if you're having a price problem, the first thing I would assume is that you're not that good. I wouldn't assume that someone's taking your gigs away i'm like okay you're not smart enough to get out sell to the right people your branding's a mess your website's probably broken maybe you're like not professional on set who knows what the problem is but it's probably not these bottom feeders it's probably you're the bottom feeder yeah and and i think that's tough for people to hear i think just do a lot of weddings and you'll probably naturally break out of that that's what i would tell people it's like yeah just shoot them until you don't have to like, and if you can never figure it out, then I don't know what to tell you, but I think like someone does 30 gigs for nine ninety nine, and they pr- should be pretty professional by the end of that, right? Yeah. If you're shooting 30 weddings at $9.99, <laughs> you're probably able to raise your prices Yeah. and bump up. Why wouldn't you? You're probably way better. You probably have a, you could probably put together a sick two minute reel and Definitely. afford a web designer. Yep. So it's like, and pay a branding person and like actually set your brand up to succeed and go up in price. So that's why I kind of look at it and go like, it's tough to question to say, is the existence of part-time people hurting full-time people or 
is going full time just really, really, really freaking hard. And there's a gauntlet necessary to go through to get to that point. And I think it's probably the latter. Hmm. I think it's more so that like we have a natural like system in place in wedding filmmaking that you have to pay your dues. And if you can't break through that, whether by hook or by crook, you don't have to shoot for national chains or have to charge nine. And like you could put a film together and charge $6,000 for a first wedding film like we did. Hmm. If you're good enough. But you have to pass the sniff test and you have to figure out all this crap before you get going. And so, I don't know, like, I don't think people who are willing to pay for high-end wedding films are even, like, smelling a 990. Like, they're not even looking at that part of the market, right? Yeah. I would say it's probably a part of our industry that will always exist. It reminds me of, like... um, have you ever met like a, a photographer, even if it's someone like you meet at a wedding whose dad is a photographer, it's like- oh, Who really loves to talk about that camera. Loves to talk about the camera, obsessed with it. And you look at his work and you're like, you're yeah. a pretty good photographer. Yeah. Like you're, you're pretty good, you know? If you're like 90% of what a professional is or 95% of what a professional is can do, whether it's like taking photos of like birds or something. I mean, it's, isn't it always <laughs> either mountains or birds? Mountains or birds or- Cars, maybe motorcycles. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't uh, think I've met anyone who's it wasn't nature. It, All probably. rich guys, it's nature. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to be around a rich guy. Well, it's like really rich guys are the ones who are like, well, yeah, back when I was in Alaska for three weeks last year, fly fishing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But the, but that person's pretty good, um, and they maybe they're even hired by someone like a random person who found them. They're like, oh, I found this really talented guy he really just does it on the side when i'm talking to brides all the time i hear about photographers oh my friend's a photographer they work for this magazine or when all rich people just hire a like editorial photographer not a wedding photographer and then you shoot with this person who has no idea how weddings go it's the worst so so horrible yeah like one of the worst experiences shooting with a non-wedding photographer we can make a whole podcast about that yeah it's so bad i cannot stand that yep but anyways, someone can be probably pretty talented, but they're never going to eat your lunch. They might eat a small portion. They might have a little bite of your lunch, but they're not going to eat your whole meal they're more at the end of the day. Because they, if they were going to go full time with that work, they would have to uh, decrease the quality because they just have to deal with volume at that mm-hmm. point. Even if your volume isn't what we do in volume, it's what 30 weddings they wouldn't be able to do. You know? Yep. So- um, yeah, that's probably what I would say is honestly, they're not really bottom feeders because they're just such a small, well, and the reason the why the part timers are not exclusively bottom feeders, cause there are great filmmakers who are charging, who are making like six figures part time. Yep. Right. So it's not really so much like if you have a charge enough, if you're charging like $8,000 a gig and you book 15 and you yep. also have a full time job, you're doing pretty good. Yep. Yep. That's Plenty more than funny like that money. Too. That's like all your kids' retirement. That might be paying off your house early. Yep. You know, that's a that that would be my last thing, which is should you go full time would be like it's pretty sick to be bivocational. Yeah. Like having two forms of income is sick. Like I would tell people you should be bivo as long as you possibly can. Like like the how to is like or the when to know you're ready one is like that's going to be a necessity for you. It, it shouldn't be the, I actually think most people should find that sweet spot where they can make money on their day job and do as little as possible to make as much money as possible with wedding films. Yep. It's a great plan. Yep. I, I think Just so do it too. at a good price. Yep. I, I, I do think it's a little bit of an outlier to be able to be that good. Yes. In only doing five wedding films a year. Like yeah. I, I do know people. We do know people. You and I both know people in our area, even who do that many wedding films a year. Um, you know, make you know maybe they're doing ten wedding films a year, making six figures. Um, good for them. You know, um, I think that's pretty rare because you just need the reps to get that good. Yeah, it's like how can you get good if you're not practicing? Yep. yep. So okay, so let's dive into can you go full time? How and this to is, know? And this is going to be a practical breakdown yes. of when you know you can. And these are just my three. There's probably a lot more. Yep. But why don't you dive into to your three? So the three questions you want to be able to answer to know, am I ready to go full time? First, The first one is, am I making double my current salary with wedding films? That's pretty basic and we'll get into it. But basically, 
am I making enough money? So the second one is, can I identify ways that not being full-time is causing me to lose money? Um, and that could just be things you're not doing that you know, ways you're not servicing people that would benefit you if you had more time. Can you identify some tangible ways not doing this full-time is hurting your revenue? And the last one is very practical, which is, am I generating enough leads to go full-time? And so let's get into those. So the first one, Jared, is pretty simple. And it's, it starts with your current job, right? Whatever you're doing, you are making enough money to live because you're not dead, you know? So, you know, maybe you want to make a little more money, but I think like start with your current income as your idea around wedding filmmaking, not something you heard on a podcast where someone said they generated 150K or made 80K in a month. Or, that crap is, forget about that. How much are you making at your current job? So let's look at a normal person. What do you think like a normal, you know, let's say like a 25-year-old kid, he's working at Target, you know. Well, that kid's probably making, if he was working at Target, God, what is it, like 30 grand a year maybe? Maybe. 25 roughly? Right. You know, so let's like let's let's imagine he's a manager, he's making 40, maybe 50K. Yep. You know, I talked to a kid in Indiana, he was working at Kroger's, he was making 35K a year. Am I making double that with wedding films? Now, the more money you make, I think the harder it is to go full time. And so I feel like it's this is a young man's game, right? Or a young woman's game, right? If you can make the switch before you become dependent on like huge amount of income, it's going to be easier. Now I know people like Lindsay um, at LaRev, they, they had, he had this whole commercial life, this big, you know, job in the commercial corporate world. And, you know, they also happened to build a pretty sizable wedding filmmaking business on the side. Um, I'm sure it was a little risky though for them to go full time. If you're like working at Kroger's, I'm always like, you should go full time, figure it out. Like, yeah. like you're only making 40 K. But even still imagine that guy making 35 K a year. He is able to actually double his income. So now he's making 70 as a wedding filmmaker, plus the 35 he's making at Kroger, he's making 105 a year. If you're making 105 a year working at Kroger with doing wedding films on the side, that's kind of hard to leave too, right? Well, I would, I would say so. I will say this, like, you know, one of the issues I think with a lot of low paying jobs is the schedules are kind of crazy. Like not a lot of low paying jobs are going to let you just like, not maybe, maybe some will, but like they might be like, no, you need to come in on Saturday and you need to like, you know, right, right. they're going to take your time away from editing. You're like, it can be hard to do those types of jobs. But also, yes, that person making 105 a year, he probably has the hope that, hey, yeah, I'm going to make 70K a year. I did make 70K a year. I doubled my Kroger income with the hopes and of making- And that's gross, by the way, guys, really quick. Right. I'm not saying you take home 70K a year. I'm saying your wedding business grosses 70K. Right. But that person is probably hoping that they can make 150. Sure, they might be. When they go full time. And, and that kind of gets into probably your next point. But yeah, that, that's probably a, a ter determining factor about just like, can you go full time? Well, we've already tried to talk you yeah. out of it. Yeah. And since we haven't talked you out of it and you still want to do this, yeah. I'm saying it's pretty safe to go full time. You're not going to jeopardize losing your house. If you're making double what you're currently making, if you're grossing double what you're currently making for salary or hourly or whatever the income is from your current job. Mm -hmm. If you're doing that with your wedding filmmaking business, I think you can, if you want to, very safely say, I can afford to pay associated bills with the wedding filmmaking company. I can pay for a little help. I can buy new cameras. I can pay for marketing and I can pay myself a salary. Yeah. If so you're doubling that. And, and I think obviously the more you're making, the less it needs to double it. So it's more targeted at people at the beginning. If you're making like 200K with your wedding filmmaking <laughs> business, like I don't think you need to be like doubling 200K, you know, like- right. Like, but I'm saying like, you know, most people I think are early in their wedding filmmaking career. So yeah. I'll say that's first one. Yeah. And also, yeah, if you're making a hundred K as a, you know, engineer somewhere working from home, like you have your job, like making 200 K as a wedding filmmaker, 
that's probably going to be pretty hard <laughs> to do first and foremost. Yes, so. yes, yeah, yeah. We have reasonable goals. Yeah, so but, that's why we probably don't see a lot of people who are like, yeah, doing this on the side, making that much money. They'll never go full time. They have no reason to. Yeah, right. They're just outliers. Yep, you're they unique are. in the industry, and that's great for them. Yep. So the second one that we talked about is, am I losing money by not going full time? And I think that's kind of what we're referencing, which is like. Like, okay, you're definitely making 70K. You want, you know, you're making 35K at this other job. You know, you can pay your bills, right? If you only made 35K. Don't quit when your business is making 35K because you have bills associated with running the business. That's all I'm saying is your gross is not your net. So, blah. The other thing is, you know, like, <clears throat> you're not providing the same service as the people who you're competing with in your market because you're. Pulled in too many directions. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people find themselves in this place. And this is a little harder to actually quantify. It's really easy to look at and create and like double your gross revenue. Or your, if your gross revenue is double your current income. That's easy. That's a practical thing to look at. It's This is a little less practical, but I will say things like if you wish you could make a reel for every planner three days after the event, but you don't, you don't have time. It's not your full-time job. You have a bunch of stuff going on. If you're constantly like saying no to gigs because you know you can't edit anymore with having it as a part-time gig you just can't take on any more editing load in the middle of the week with your family and your you know that kind of stuff that's costing you money when you're saying no to money like that's what i really encourage you to look at it's not just say my films would be better my like it's like what about your films would be better what about your brand would be better mm -hmm. yo i would post a lot more regularly on social okay that's pretty small but okay, true. Oh, I would get back to people faster. Okay, great. The big one is I can do more work. Mm -hmm. That is the number one thing. Like that is a, you said no seven times to gigs because you couldn't edit them or you couldn't shoot them. That's just money gone. Yeah. When I, when I think about this one, I think about what your limitations are as a business owner, as a creative. One is going to be you're limited by your skill right? You're limited by your time. Mm -hmm. You're limited by how much money you can charge. Yeah. Like you're, if you're working at Kroger doing these, you have these limitations. And the main one is your time. Yes. Like, because Kroger is taking away your time from you. Will you be able to increase your skill level, the amount of money you can charge and the amount of time that you can work on your films? That That's the obvious one yep. when you start going full time. And if you have more time, does it help those two other categories yeah right? and i would say primarily looking at bookings and editing like those are the number one things to look at would i be willing to do five more events if i didn't have this other job mm -hmm. and i and the last one is could i and the last one is this which is and i think this is actually like probably the most important one jared is am i getting enough leads mm -hmm. and so i have a pretty simple formula i use which is, I think you should be on a high end 20%, on a low end 10%, I'm fine saying 15%, but somewhere from 10 to 20% of the people you talk to as qualified leads, you know, people who fill out the form on your website, you should be booking at least 15% of them most likely, I would say. If you are not doing that, then you have a sales problem. There's something wrong with, you're talking to the wrong audience. That's not what I'm talking about. Like your close rate, that that's a complicated thing to change if you're having a yeah. hard time with your close rate. What I will say is this, is most people, like when you talk to, this is most filmmakers, Jared, that I talk to, super high close rate. 70%, 60%, oh, I close everyone I talk to. Super low lead generation. Yes. Like no one is calling them. Like, like if... I think this is probably the biggest thing that separates me from other wedding filmmakers. If I wasn't having the phone ringing all the time, I would be freaking out, Jared. I care way more about people calling us, Jared, than even booking weddings. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, of course they're going to book us. Like, if they're calling me, like, they're going to book us. Why would they waste the time to reach out to me if they weren't considering booking us? And, you know, that just works itself out. Yeah. I find. Yeah. Lead generation does not. You have to freaking do things mm -hmm. to generate leads. And, and, and I would say if you have not figured out lead generation in any way, 
Like you have not figured anything that works for you. This is the number one thing that's going to kill you if you go full time. The number one important thing of, of running a wedding film business is lead generation. We talk about it all the time. Literally when Tolman media went, went under, we were like, I wonder who generated all their leads, <laughs> who that person is. And can I hire that person? Yes. Because literally it's probably the most, and it's the one thing that all wedding filmmakers ask about is just, how do you get leads? How do you get leads? How do you get leads? We talked about it on a recent podcast about just like how to generate more leads and how it's not a simple one, two step. It's freaking hard. It's hard. It's the hardest thing to do. But I, I like your formula. Um, you know, 15 to 20% of all leads closing on all leads. Yes. And I would say on my end, cause I do mostly sales, probably 80, 85% of the people that I talk to end up booking, um, at the end of the day. So if, if that helps you and just like what your close rate is, um, there's like going to be attrition at every level of lead generation. Like yeah. whether the first person sees your posts, they see eight of your posts, they never fill anything out. Right. Technically that's a lead. Mm -hmm. very soft lead you're never made aware of it there's an entire sequence of lead generation that's um just reach right and then there's like you convert them in some way right they engage with something you do you know that's another depth right that's like a second level is they like something or they follow something or they comment right and then there's i am a fan and i'm aware and i'm a customer because i'm getting married Right. Think about I'm just like trying to outline to you how freaking unique this is. And I'm willing to reach out to you mm -hmm. of the seven people I saw. You're the one I choose. So that like this person fills out your form. Right. OK. That's like another level. Yep. But then you got to get on the phone with them and you got to convince them to buy something. Right. And there's another level and it's like five, six and, levels and, deep. And you're up against other videographers at that point. And, you know, yeah, yep. just so many things. And so like. The reason why I say this is the most important one is if you're hearing me and you're like, I never have a problem with lead generation. If, if you're part-time and you're booking 15 to 20 gigs and you are somewhere around 80 to 100 leads, you might be okay. Like I would say I would want more because I'm a fearful person. Mm -hmm. I would want like 120 leads. Well, and the reality of that person, Jay, is is they probably aren't getting that many leads because – they're probably getting a lot less, Most but are, they're are. all vendor referrals and they're not doing any marketing because mm -hmm. they don't have to. They're taking five wedding films a year, 10 wedding films a year, 15 wedding films a year maybe. Well, I would say it kind of depends on price. So one thing yeah. I would say as a caveat here is if you're getting 30 inquiries a year, you're booking 15 at like an $8,000 price point and they're all with planners, maybe you're in the luxury game, right? or the high end game at least, or, and you need to enhance that in a different way. You're like, this equation kind of goes out the window a little bit, like that 15 to 20%. Yeah. If you're working in the planner realm, yeah, I'm talking exclusively to like, I don't think most people start there. I think most people start selling directly to couples mm -hmm. and that close rate's always going to be way lower. Right. With couples. We know this straight up. Like if, if we get ones from certain planners, we will close, we book some planners six to eight times a year. Never speaking to the couple. Mm -hmm. Different game, man. It kills my analytics too. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're actually having to develop a separate funnel yeah. for these planners because it screws up my metrics. And it's important to me to know, like, what do normal people think about these films? Yep. Right? That's most people. Most people. And so all I'm really saying to you is we're, we're digressing a little because all I'm really saying is, if you are consistently generating enough leads to close on 50% of them every year and you've done it for three years and you're like, yeah, I did 100, I did 120, I did 150, it's going up. The trajectory is good. You know, you can keep raising your prices a little and, and maybe even reduce that close rate. Like if you got some of that margin in your lead generation to afford less customers, higher prices, less more no's it's all about like how many no's can i hear right that to me is what running a business is it's not who's willing to say yes but how many no's can i endure right and if you're generating a ton of leads a lot of people can say no to you you're mm -hmm. fine you don't care you never panic you don't change what you do for them because you don't need them yeah Th this question about are you generating <laughs> enough leads is it does also inform um uh, whether or not it's hurting your gross revenue mm -hmm. right because it's like at the end of the day how do you know if your gross revenue is hurting if you are booking, you know, 
15 weddings on 20 leads. Yeah. Like you're, the pr- answer is probably no. The answer is like no. It's not. You hurting. booked as many as you could. But if but if you're getting 150 leads, yeah, it's probably hurting your 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 gross revenue at the end of the day, and that is important to decide. I on would say, just in my you. experience, Jared, talking to these people, I think well, most wedding filmmakers are something like five a month inquiries. Sure. Like one a week. Yeah, yeah, around 60 a year. Yeah. Right, and they'll get like a bulk of them in like a couple times of the year. You know, most people are not getting zero leads for the month, Mm -hmm. right? Like if that's your situation, you have a different problem, which we're not going to talk about here. (laughs) But there's other problems going your way. If you're just trying to solve the problem, can I stomach this? Can I do it? Again, if you've generated enough leads to make the amount of money you want to make by booking 15 to 20% of them, I'm not saying there's no risk, but it's it's much lower risk. And I would say like, hey, you're in a pretty safe thing. Like, hey, you can do it. Yep. There's a lot of people I would talk to and if they could answer these three questions and say, should I do this? I would say, yeah, you should. You should go full-time. It's holding you back. If you go full-time, you will make better work. You will be more connected to the industry. You will be more professional and you'll probably make more money. Yep. yep. So that's it. That's it. That's our show today. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for um, listening. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. If you like content like this, if you want to learn about being a better business owner, uh, make sure you are checking out more episodes from the Wedding Film School show. You can find us anywhere that you are listening to this podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. We're really everywhere. Uh, but then also we have a YouTube channel specifically for the Wedding Film School show. So you can not only listen to our beautiful voices, but you can also see our pretty faces. And um, also we have our traditional YouTube channel as well. Our, our, our big one. Uh, where we do all kinds of YouTube tutorials behind the scenes of real life weddings with myself, with Jason, with Bobby as well. And um, lastly, make sure you're checking out the Facebook group. This is our uh, wedding film school community with uh, I think 16,000 plus wedding filmmakers um, where you can ask questions, you can sell gear, you can post your wedding films to get feedback as well. And uh, it's just a great place to catch up and get to know people in the area, find second shooters, all that fun stuff. So again, hopefully this has been helpful for you guys this week. We'll see you again next week right here on the Wedding Film School Show.